Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, I know you've been to Steelers camp today. How's, how's it been going? It's a blast. You know, I mean, if, for those of you who don't know, the Steelers share a facility with the, the Panthers, Pitt Panthers, where I was at for three years, and there's still a couple old timers that I get to see when I go down. I've been there the last three days. Uh, it's fun. I, I will say, talking three hours about minicamp is kind of hard to do, especially because you're not allowed to tell people what happens right in front of you. If, if AB makes a great catch, I can't say it. So it's hard to kind of manufacture content for three hours, I must say. I didn't realize you, you couldn't really – you couldn't talk about it's that. It's kind of dumb. Yeah, I mean, I don't, don't think the Bengals – you giving it. away plays and things like that, I assume? Yeah, I mean, they certainly wouldn't want you saying coverages or, you know, plays they run. But you really think the Bengals are going to get a competitive advantage by hearing me say Antonio Brown made a great catch? I mean, it makes no sense to me. That's interesting. Uh, well, I I won't ask you uh, too many detailed questions, but I did want to uh, hear, of course, Martavis Bryant, I'm sure, is the big topic around there. Uh, I've heard I've heard good reports from others. I'm assuming you share those sentiments. Probably more so than anybody out there. I am extremely, extremely high on him. And watching him in person makes that double. Um, Le'Veon Bell has not been there. James Conner has not practiced yet, so I haven't got to see those two. But Bryant is absolutely the story. He looks like a different player in terms of the muscle he's put on. Um, He really, really stands out. And wherever anyone has him ranked in fantasy, you should rank him higher. So you would you would suggest to our listeners to be aggressive in buying him? Absolutely, while you still can. Okay, all right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about another guy as well, a little bit lower uh, tier, but uh, I've, I've heard also some good things about the tight end Xavier Grimble. How is he looking? Is that going to be a competition with he and James? Is he going to get on the field? Yeah, um, there is a little bit of buzz around him too, and there isn't much buzz around anybody. I mean, it's OTAs. Um, today we watched defensive linemen catch punts for fun. So, I mean, it's not all that exciting. But one thing about him, every practice of OTAs except for today, he was the last one off the field working on his hands. And to me, that's the biggest question about Grimble. He's one of these, you know, basketball converts that is very athletic, a smooth mover, but he drops a lot of passes and he's been working hard on it. So there has been positive buzz about him. Well, that's good news. Maybe a guy to monitor and maybe even stash in deeper leagues. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest today. And we've got another great one. We have Mike Clay from ESPN. He's also the host of Next Level uh, Radio Show on Sirius XM. Mike, how's it going, man? It's pretty good. I'm sitting here while you're talking. I'm just listening and, and looking at my Steelers projections, actually, which I know we're going to we're gonna talk some projections in a minute. But I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at Martavis thinking I might have to bump up the target share a little bit. I think I would. And one thing, at the Combine, we sat down with uh, with Matthew Barry, and I told him, wherever you're ranking Martavis, it better be higher. And now that I've seen him in person, I was too low on him then. I got you. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen the upside. Yeah. Actually, when you said he, he looks like he might be a different player, I don't know if we need him to, to be a different player. We just need him to get his <laughs> get under control off the field, field right? <laughs> that's, the, that's what we want to change. But he's a lot He's a he's noticeably bigger in terms of muscle. He, he, I mean, he's been a good boy. He said he would go to um, classes and stuff for like six hours, and he went to Vegas actually to get clean, which is unbelievable. And then he would go to the gym for like four or five hours every day, and he looks like it. And 
you know, just needs to stay on the field. I like it. Well, Mike, you mentioned uh, your projections. That's exactly what we're going to be focusing on today. You've been releasing these on Twitter over the past several days and, and maybe even past couple of weeks, team by team projections, uh, including defensive stats. This, this is just really impressive work. And I know you've become in the fantasy industry in the, in the football industry, you've become known for these projections. Just tell us a little bit about, about the background there. How long have you been doing player projections? Well, since day one, really. I mean, that's the reason I, I was kind of drawn to – I mean, I've always been a big football fan, obviously, like like the rest of us. But uh, when I started to get into kind of writing about fantasy, I started with a little baseball for a few months, and, and I was sort of drawn to football because I liked it more and because I noticed that I, I was a player and I thought, you know, there's not reliable projections out there. And this is back in, we'll say, 2008 or so, 2009, that, that kind of area – the issue really was you would go to a site and you would start doing some math and you'd say, okay, they're projected for 4,000 passing yards, but you add up the receivers and I'm getting 6,000, you know, it's just, it, they weren't reliable. <laughs> so you have to, you have to kind of put stuff like that in, in context. You have to spread out the targets, understand why a guy like Brandon cooks may, may struggle to, to see a high ceiling and target volume in that offense, because who you get, who are you going to take targets away from? You know, same thing. Wendell Smallwood, I was just talking to somebody about him. And, and he was looking, I just posted the Eagles projections earlier today. And he said, uh, well, how do you only have Smallwood with X amount of carries? Well, you know, if you want to take away some of LeGarrette Blunt's 190, go ahead. But I, do you really think he's going to get fewer than 10 carries a game? I, I don't. So uh, that, that's a big reason for it. It's, it's had a lot of value in that regard. Just kind of, uh, you know, it's all, it's all context. A player is only as valuable as he is relative to the rest of the league. And, and that's where I've seen the most value, certainly looking at that opportunity. Mike, just saying what you just did, my guess is the average fantasy football player, you know, owner, would look at all your projections and say, well, I'm going to take the over on all those. But they don't mm-hmm. all add up to the sum of the parts. I mean, the pie is only so big. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we did kind of uh, – not to not to throw my colleagues under the bus, but just kind of, and, and I've joked with them them about this. But uh, we have our NFL Nation reporters at ESPN, and they do fantastic work covering. We have one assigned to each of the thirty-two teams. And last year, we did a project where they went through the, the star players on each team and uh, took the over or under, and it was like eighty some percent over. So you're exactly right, and you, and you see <laughs> that on Twitter too. It's the same thing. Everything seems low, uh, but it is what it is, you know. Mike, uh, you mentioned, and, and Matt kind of mentioned as well, just making sure passing stats ma- uh, match receiving stats, things like that. What's the overall process for you for even starting these projections? It, it seems like a daunting task. I don't know if I would want to undertake that. So just how does it start and, and kind of give us the step-by-step yeah, and and it is. I mean, uh, if you if we're going step by step, we're going to need a few hours. So I'll I'll try and put, I'll try and put it in a nutshell. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of built the basis for it back when I first started in the industry. And every year, I take a a few weeks in the off season. And sometimes, for example, this summer when we're, when it's quiet, which isn't often isn't often anymore. But when I get some quiet time, I'll I'll do some research. I'll improve the model a little bit. Maybe I'll find out that uh, if guys wear blue shoes, they you know they their yards per carry is better in November. You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there's always things like weather and depth of target. And now we're starting to get into route data and all that kind of, uh, kind of stuff. So I'm always looking for ways to improve it. And that's what I do each, each year. It's, it, it's a constant. I told you guys before the show, I pretty much have projections 365 days a year. I'm always tweaking them and just improving the model and transitioning and transitioning 
uh, from year to year. So uh, there, there's, again, there's a lot to it. Teams, coaching trends, league trends, player trends. There's, there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, you know, it all adds up to, to a good, pretty good product. And, and these are the projections you see at ESPN. So, uh, you know, hopefully they help you make the right decisions on Sundays. So Mike, my, my question, and I was a part of these, you know, the, the fantasy summit where there's sure. what, 20, 30 people in the room and a handful of us had a, had a vote and you come up with consensus rankings and everybody battles it out where this guy should be. So do you base it off your own personal rankings, which are obviously different than the consensus, or do you take the results from the summit and then go from there? Well, the projections are just mine. So I'm fairly conservative okay. just okay. by nature. So you're not going to see anything too outlandish. You know, uh, you're not going to see Paul Perkins projected for, you know, 1600 scrimmage yards ranked 12th or something. You know, it's, it's all going to be within reason. At least I, I at least I feel that way. Maybe you look at them and see something that that seems off the rails. But uh, they're they're fairly conservative. So we're pretty comfortable with them. And, and th- put it this way, they're comfortable with me handling it. So so that's what <laughs> that's what they look like. Yeah, on yeah. the so it's possible that the, the ESPN running back 10 is projected for better stats than the ESPN running back seven. Yeah. You'll, yeah, you'll see. Because that. you like them. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot that of reasons sense. for that. Yeah, sure. Sure. And, and, and that kind of leads to a good point just, and really quick. I mean, what's the difference between projections and rankings? I get that question all the time. Why are, why could you have a guy projected for a few more points, but ranked lower? And that just really gets into ceilings and floors and, uh, you know, I, I like to use the Malcolm Mitchell example this offseason. It's hard to find him more than a handful of targets in that offense if everything, if everybody's healthy. But if Edelman gets hurt or Brandon Cooks gets hurt, he just skyrockets in value. Uh, obviously, we're, we'd be talking about him as a potential flex. Chris Hogan, same kind of thing. So that's that's really the difference. You can't always find the targets for these guys now, uh, but just that they have that high ceiling is the reason why the ranks and projections are different. Mike, you talk about updating these rankings, and I know that we've had some news over the past week that uh, has, has caused you to go back to the drawing board a little bit of the Chiefs releasing Jeremy Macklin. It sounds like Eric Decker is the next to go in, in New York, and of course the Dennis Pitt injury uh, for the Ravens. And, and I've seen that you have um, updated rankings, uh, I'm sorry, updated the projections for each of those teams. So it, it just has to be, I mean, when you see, moves like that being made or those injuries is it always you know you're going back and and updating those as quickly as possible oh yeah yeah I'm, I, I try to to make at least uh, minor updates every day just based on news uh the the roto world news feed is your friend you know that's the, I think we all read that pretty religiously and and you know just keeping an eye on the news stories from around uh, the league and and other sources of course as well our reporters do a great job with that at ESPN and Twitter, Newswire, and, and like you said, the transactions every single day. There's always something, you know, you, you won't even notice it, but, you know, a guy's projection, the, the six-string wide receiver may change a little bit just based on a, a report that the, uh, Adam Teicher doesn't think DeAnthony Thomas is going to make the team, so I bump up, you know, Demarcus uh, uh, Lawrence. So, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's constant, and especially with doing defense. I didn't do defense until a couple of years ago, so now with – uh, the IDP stuff as well. It's it's another level. Plus, uh, uh, you may have noticed I just uh, the the Chiefs and Eagles. I think I just posted or a couple teams. I added kick returners and kickers too. So I, the fans of those teams wow. are going to be all over me now. They're they're going to be on my back now uh, for projecting the wrong person to have a kick return attempt this year. So that, that's that's fun too. Getting the feedback. Better Mike, just while we're talking about Decker and and Macklin, 
Is there a spot that you would be excited for fantasy reasons where they would end up? I mean, Buffalo and Baltimore are the two that get thrown around the most. Um, you know what? The team that no one's talking about that I've kind of been pushing a little bit that I'm surprised they're not in, in, interested in, I suppose. You know, it's, it's certainly guys like that are that are near 30. You'd expect them to look for teams who are competitive. Is Carolina. I mean, if I look at my unit rankings – you know, they're the team that really stands out near the top in terms of a clear void at the wide receiver position. So, you know, I think Decker would fit nicely. I know they have kind of some slot options now with Christian McCaffrey and Kurt Samuel, but I think that would be a nice spot. You know, Devin Funches, is he ready to be the number two? You know, they didn't seem to think so last year when they they promoted Ted Ginn back into a significant significant role. So I think Carolina, maybe Arizona as well, are teams that that kind of jump out to me. I noticed looking over your projections, it seems like you have most running backs projected for 15 games, uh, most quarterbacks and receivers at 16 games. How do you factor in that injury history or, or do you at all? Um, I mean, when you're talking about a guy like Le'Veon Bell, for, for example, who seems to miss some games every year and, and his quarterback, Roethlisberger, as well. Um, yeah, um, my the game's played uh, right now. I still have some work to do on that. That's that's on the to-do list. But every year I do take a, a thorough look at each player and, and miss time due to injuries, that kind of thing. You have to also weed through little things like uh, off-field issues, suspensions, for example. Uh, you know, like we – what is it? Uh, Alshon had the four-game suspension. You look at his games played, it looks like, oh, man, he's really missing a lot of time. But Really, since his rookie year, he hasn't missed much time. He had the four-game suspension, and then he had the the bad injury the year before. Otherwise, he's been he's been out there every game. So, uh, you have to you have to kind of weed through that. And yeah, I'm pretty conservative. Uh, I'm going to knock all running backs, like you pointed out there. You just cannot assume a guy's going to play 16 games. You can't have confidence in that just because of the the nature of the league. And and uh, really, I could I could put everyone at a max of 14 games and feel comfortable with that. It's it's really a tricky exercise. Uh, but you, you have to bake an injury risk. You have to, and that's why you're not going to see massive ceilings from a lot of my projections. The, the leader in passing yards is going to be lower than the actual leader in passing yards last season. It's just the nature of the beast. You have to bake in that, uh, that risk. Mike, let's get into some of your actual projections now. I want to start with uh, some notable rookies uh, who I, I, I personally I was kind of surprised with, and we'll start with James Conner, the uh, Pittsburgh running back. We've, Talked about him quite a bit on here. I know Matt is a big fan of his. You have him projected for uh, just 172 rushing yards, 37 receiving yards, only 37 total fantasy points well down the board of those rookie running backs. Again, with the history of Le'Veon, both suspension, uh, off-field issues, and the injury issues, I guess I was surprised not to see some higher numbers for Connor. And I know you've already mentioned that you're conservative with that, but what are your feelings on him? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you kind of look back at when Bell is on the field. And again, I'm projecting him for 15 games. So you look at the last, uh, what is the past 25 games he's played, he's been on the field for 95% of their snaps. I mean, they're not going to use two running back sets. So if, if that's the case and, and he's healthy for 15 games and out there for 95% of the snaps, even go 85, 90, which is reasonable considering how they use him. Connor's just not going to get touches. And we saw that with D'Angelo Williams. As well as he was playing, Williams was terrific, effective, dominant. And then Bell would come back and he would just, he would get three touches a game if he was lucky. So uh, that's that's pretty much what you're seeing here. I do view Connor as a high value handcuff, if you believe in that. So 
you know, deeper leagues, late stages, you could take a, a shot at him. But, uh, you know, I think he'll be the one, maybe Fitz Toussaint's the, the compliment there. But it's just a product of where he landed. Bell is not going to leave the field often. But you do agree that if, if Bell were out week 12, Connor's an immediate plug and play starter. No doubt. Running back to, I'd say, at worst, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah, right. You touched on this a little bit already, Mike, but Curtis Samuel, Carolina wide receiver. I think fantasy owners are a little bit hesitant to to invest in this guy, just not exactly sure what type of role he played. Of course, he played a little bit of running back and receiver at Ohio State, uh, but you have him currently projected as the um, – second highest scoring Carolina receiver behind Benjamin and the third highest scoring rookie wide receiver. Uh, I'm assuming that just speaks to the void you mentioned there with the Panthers. Yeah. And and Mike, did you include any carries for him? Yeah, I did. I have him at 31 carries, 43. So uh, I think he'll, you know, kind of a gadget role. And we know he's a ton of talent. I mean, one of probably one of the better bets to to pull off a Tyreek Hill sort of season. I, I feel like we have a guy like that every year that, uh, is kind of one of them offensive weapon weapons and, and just kind of explodes onto the scene. So he's the obvious pick for that, but certainly a candidate to be a kind of a do-it-all sort of player. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's opportunity. And and a, a lot of these rookies don't have the opportunity. It looks like Mike Williams with the injury, he's going to start slow. John Ross, same thing. And, uh, you know, you could that's the case for a lot of these young guys. Even, even Carlos Henderson, all those guys are kind of buried. Uh, but Samuel does have an opportunity to start out in the slot for this team and, and be extremely busy as a rookie. So it's hard. Uh, it's hard to see a massive ceiling in this offense, but it is it is easy to find him appealing as a late rounder. Mike, do you find as a rule of thumb that the the the, the general audience fans out there are critical of your rookie projections more so than veterans? I mean, like none of these are super appealing, and, and I'm sure people are like, "Boy, Cooper Cup's going to come in and solve all our problems," and for the Rams, he's going to catch 90 balls. It just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, I you, I definitely see that, but I think it goes both ways too. I was accused of being a little optimistic on Mike Williams as, until a few days ago. Even my colleague Eric Williams, who covers the the Chargers, was like, "Mike, you know what? With the injury and stuff, you might want to pull back a little on on the, the Williams hype here. Uh, he's probably going to start out pretty slow, and and of course they have Tyrell. But uh, you know, I I talked at the combine. Uh, I was standing with with Matthew Berry actually. And uh, we were talking to a, a Chargers coach and he expressed a little, some concerns about Tyrell Williams that, that kind of took me aback. And, uh, and then they drafted Mike Williams on top of that. So I'm thinking, wow, he's in trouble, but it looks like he probably will at least early on in the season, play a pretty significant role. But you know, if he keeps, you know, not, not fighting for balls and he's getting picked off and he's dropping passes, you know, it may, might not be long. Once Mike Williams is healthy, he'll be in that lineup. I think. Mike, I wanted to ask you about uh, four different rookie wide receivers. We'll group these guys together. Each of these guys can be had in the late second, early third round of dynasty rookie drafts, but you have them projected to have pretty productive seasons uh, considering what their current value is. You already mentioned Cooper Cup with the Rams, Kenny Galladay with Detroit, Chad Williams in Arizona, and Ardarius Stewart with the Jets. You have each of those guys projected to score – over 110 fantasy points and that puts them that would put them in the top 10 rookie wide receivers for fantasy um so just touch on any or all of those guys and uh, kind of how you see their season going 
Yeah, and, and certainly into the hundreds in PPR, of course, which is which is important considering their roles. Uh, you know, I and yeah, I think they're going to be in that 35, 45 sort of catch range, and it's all about opportunity. You mentioned Galladay should be the the three, the slot in in, repl- in replacing Bolden in Detroit, assuming they don't address that spot. All reports so far are good, so uh, I think he'll be pretty busy as a rookie. Bolden was a, a force near the goal line. You know, he very well could score five, six touchdowns, so that's somewhat appealing. Ardarius Stewart, same thing. They cut Decker. Robbie Anderson, who knows how good he is. They only used him one way last year. That was uh, deep downfield. We don't know if he's going to pan out. Stewart could be their number one perimeter receiver pretty quickly. So I think there's some appeal there, a lot of talent there. And Chad Williams, again, a guy nobody is talking about. Uh, very impressive interview. I'm, I got to tell you, I mean, it's kind of not related to fantasy, but that's a very impressive kid. Quietly picked in the third round. And boy, do they have a need at that wide receiver position with Fitz, John Brown, who knows how healthy he'll be. J.J. Nelson's kind of a one-trick pony, very undersized. So, And that's an offense that was sixth in touchdowns last year offensively for the second year in a row, quietly. So Williams could be a very, very appealing sneaky and sneaky late-round uh, pick. And then uh, who was the other one? Oh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, again, just Rams should have to throw a lot. Uh, <laughs> this slot guy, I, I think he'll, he'll win the slot job there over Farrell Cooper. So uh, just a guy to keep an eye on and – and and who knows? I mean, they're the Rams are tricky because you get Tavon could play inside. He played a lot outside last year. Robert Woods, we know he could play inside and out. So I think they're going to be moving guys all over the field. I don't know about you, but I'm actually kind of optimistic about the Rams' offense that I think it's going to be really? watchable and that they have a plan and that the yeah. I mean, mostly because of the coaching hire. I think Goff. I think the offensive line will be vastly improved. I think Cup will be their Crowder. I just think that – not that they're going to put up huge numbers, but I think that they're going to take a massive step forward. And I said on another podcast just a minute ago that I think it's addition by subtraction, losing Fisher, and it's addition again, adding McVay as opposed to just Joe Blow average coach. So I, I think there's reason for optimism with that offense. Yeah, I, I still think personnel is a big problem. I, I They're my 30th-ranked team and 30th-ranked offense right now. If I'm looking at personnel. I, just, I have serious concerns about – uh uh, certainly experience a wide receiver. Do you realize how much over- overhaul they've done offensively? It's quite incredible. It's crazy. You just don't see this. You usually see at least like one player hanging on for years, but it's pretty much all new players at the skill positions over the last two years, including Gurley. And and my big my big concern is is obvious. It's the same one everyone has, and that's the quarterback position. How good is Goff? He was really, really bad last year, and I'm just not sure he takes much of a step forward this year. He's going to need to take a big one for this offense to be competent. Mike, looking back at those four wide receivers we just mentioned, the rookies, obviously these are uh, just 2017 projections. But if you're talking dynasty, I know you're, you're an active dynasty player as well. Cup, Galladay, Chad Williams, and Stewart. Which one of those guys are you taking if you can only pick one? Ah, uh, man. You know, they're, they're, I, I think I have uh, I think I have Stewart ranked highest, but it, it's close. I mean, Stewart, Galladay, you know, I, I probably put Chad a little bit down. I don't think any of us had him ranked particularly high going into the draft. So uh, I'm not quite as uh, excited about his ceiling. And and Cup, he's he's a he's a tough egg to crack. I mean, a little bit older and and you know has has his weaknesses of short, uh, of course, but was super productive at the collegiate level. So it, it, it's a tough call. But uh, I don't know, man. It's they're they're in a tier together. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys yeah, yeah. in the tier. When when you're on the clock, man, it, it's tough for some of these guys. You just try and I'm in a lot of dynasty drafts, just like dynasty leagues, just like you are, including some of the same. And sometimes when you're staring at three, four guys like this, you just wanna yeah, this maybe this draft will go Galladay, this one I'll go Stewart. But it, that is a close call. 
Yeah, I've done the same, and and I've been trading down a lot too. Making, yes. oh, making yeah. somebody else uh, make that tough decision, and I'll just take whoever's left. Yeah, and I do have Stewart. Stewart's a top guy for me. Yeah, I agree on Stewart. And you know what is not a tough decision, Ryan? Signing up for Loot Crate. Our buddies over at Loot Crate. Be the envy of your friends and get your 100% exclusive crates at lootcratecom blueprint. Enter our code Dynasty Blueprint, and you'll save a couple bucks off an already very cheap subscription. June's Loot Crate theme is Alter Ego. It's the best surprise you know is coming every month. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month and even cheaper when you use our code. If it's more of a fanatical, auto you are, then try Lootwear. Monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics of your favorite franchises. If you want to get fancy, try a bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate VX. Or if you want to geek out your pet, try Loot Pets. How great is that? This offer expires June 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific. So this is what you do for this week to get items from Spider-Man, Transformers, The Hulk, DC Comics, and one lucky subscriber will also win a mega crate of serious epic proportions. So you go to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint, enter the code dynastyblueprint, and you'll save a couple bucks off. Do it today. Mike, let's get back to the projections a little bit. I think everybody would probably agree in some order that Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and David Johnson are the top three running backs. So the question becomes, who is that running back for? For you, it's DeMarco Murray. Uh, I was, I guess, a little bit surprised considering they do have Henry there. And I, I think they've at least made some moves this offseason to think they might throw the ball a little bit more. But you still see a, a really big season out of Murray. Well, I, I, yeah, well, I have Murray five. I have McCoy four. I don't know what we're, we're, we're looking at different things. But, uh, yeah, I have McCoy – McCoy just ahead. I think that they're all in this kind of a, a similar tier, though. McCoy, Murray, Freeman, Gordon, Howard, Ajayi, uh, and, and Gurley. Uh, I think they all kind of fit similarly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to speak on Murray, I mean, I'm I'm surprised about the uh, the hype for Derrick Henry. I mean, I, I see him as an appealing handcuff, maybe the most appealing handcuff at the running back position. But his ADP is out of control round six right now in MFL tens, which is just crazy to me. Probably one of the most overvalued players in fantasy. They've given a zero indication that their roles will change from last year. In fact, they've said quite the opposite. They said Murray's still the guy, his role's not changing. So even, and, and I do have him projected to, to take on a lesser share. I do have uh, Henry taking on a, a larger share of the carries, but if Murray's still the lead back in this run first offense, which I, again, I think it'll still be, I think it'll be a bit more balanced with, with Corey Davis in there. But I still think it's going to be a run first offense. And Murray's the lead guy, and he's very good at football, so, which we've we've learned over his career. So, yeah, I, I still like him, especially with all the questions at, at the running back position. I still think he's a mid-pack running back one. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, the point you bring up is, is a good one and probably a better conversation regarding Derrick Henry. For me, sometimes it's tough to shift, you know, shift to that – uh, redraft mindset away from dynasty. So of course I like Derrick Henry and dynasty, but yeah, I, I didn't realize he was going round six of MFL tens. That certainly seems way too high. So I, I agree with you there. Another running back that has been heavily discussed for, well, the entire offseason really Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I think you have him as running back 11, somewhere in that range. Uh, of course, the question with him has to be, Will he stay healthy? Will he be able to stay on the field? And and how can he manage to come back after a year away from football? 
Yeah, and I have him right in that next tier there. So you're you're talking Fournette, Lamar Miller, Lynch, McCaffrey, those kind of guys. So uh, yeah, I like him. You know, I did our, I did our NFL uh, reaction piece to that when he signed with the Raiders, and uh, I painted a fairly optimistic picture. I you know I think he was better than people realized that last year, even when he was injured. Uh, he was he was pretty productive after contact. He, he did some good things. He just didn't get a lot of help behind that Seattle offensive line. I mean, we get, make so many excuses for Russell Wilson and, and that running game up there, but we forget that Lynch was really struggling to get blocking help behind them. So he goes to Oakland now, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. It's an offense that scores a ton of points. Uh, the defense kind of problematic there in Oakland, but I, you know, I think they'll be very competitive and that should keep him running the football in the second half. And we're talking behind him on the depth chart. A couple change of pace guys there, intriguing guys, and Jalen Richard and and Washington. But uh, still, he's he's the bulldozer. He's the goal line back. And in this offense, there's no question he can push for uh, ten touchdowns. So even if he's eighty percent of the old Lynch, I think the O line and the high scoring offense more than offsets that. I I, st- I think he's a pretty safe and strong uh, running back to play. So Mike, when you're projecting numbers for Lynch or Adrian Peterson. How reliant do you have to be on the Sports Nation guys or the beat reporters and how good they look? And it's only OTAs. I mean, it's got to be somewhat of a leap of faith. Oh, it, it, well, I, I'd argue that for every, pretty much every player. There's very few where you look at it and you think, wow, I feel in- extremely confident with this, uh, yeah. with this pr- prediction. You know, you, you, and like you said, so much goes into uh, – it, it's volume is king in fantasy football. I say that all the time for a reason. I mean, that is the most important stat – is getting those touches. You know, the difference between three yards per carry and four yards per carry uh, isn't that much if one guy's getting 15 carries and one's getting five. So that those reports on who's going to get the touches are super important. And again, I'm lucky to have these great uh, analysts here who cover the teams, the NFL Nation, and, and being able to being able to talk to them actually and break this stuff down. Uh, even Mike Triplett actually looked at my Saints projections at that summit, which you referred to earlier, and uh, he liked them. He thought they were pretty much what he thought was going to happen this year and, and that's always a good sign so I do rely on them and, and as well as the other reporters across the industry. Mike back to Lynch for just a moment obviously we're talking 2017 again but uh, on this show we always have that dynasty long-term uh, mindset in place how do you see this playing out for Lynch is is this going to be a two or three year extension to his career or is it do you see it as as just a year by year decision for him? Well, I mean, again, I, I can't get in his head, but uh, I, it seems like he'll play the next two years in Oakland. I feel pretty good about that. I, when they go to Vegas, maybe not so much. So uh, I'll, I'll say that if, if I had him, I would be if I had him on a dynasty team, I would be th- expecting two years and, and nothing more than that, especially when you consider his age as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the way I look at it, at least for now. Hey, Ryan, I've noticed in a couple of my drafts and you do a lot more than I do rookie drafts that Marshawn Lynch has been a part of a lot of them, you know, because he wasn't on a roster. Whereabouts does he seem to be going in rookie drafts? I mean, the, the couple times I've seen, he's been like two six, two seven in that neighborhood. Yeah, I think that that's what I've seen as well, the kind of that mid-second round range, uh, maybe even a little bit higher than that. You know, if, if a contender ends up with an early second round pick, maybe they grab him there and, and mm-hmm. hope to plug him into their starting lineup. But, I mean, I think that's – that's fair value for him at this point in those drafts that are rookie and free agent combined. If he scores a dozen touchdowns or something on that offense behind that line, I mean, for two years, that's a steal. You start him every week for two years. Right. 
Yeah, I'm in that uh, uh, Roto World Dynasty League that's been going on for quite a while. Maybe the most competitive league I'm in, and, and certainly the most movement. And he went to Josh Norris at 19 overall, 12 team, or went went 19. Hmm. So, yeah, so in that same range, then. Yeah, exactly. Mike, another running back that uh, everyone has been talking about this offseason is the rookie Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. You do have him as uh, projected as the top scoring fantasy running back on the Bengals, but that uh, that's only good for a late running back too in the in the early 20s uh, for fantasy. So tell us, is that is that just have to do with that competition in Cincinnati with uh, Gio and Jeremy Hill? Yeah, you know what? I, I can't really think about this backfield without comparing it to Minnesota. I, I, I feel like we have to deal with uh, or, or we're going to deal with Latavius Murray and Jeremy Hill as being total headaches. Uh, I worry that we're going to be back in years ago. Remember how upset we were constantly every week about Thomas Jones just stealing touches from Jamal Charles. Uh, I feel like we may, may have to deal with that again, that kind of veteran deference. And these guys just are getting touches early in the season. And we're thinking, why are they still on the field? So that, that's my concern. It, you know, if, if Hill was gone and Murray was gone, I feel a lot better uh, about about Cook and, and Mixon. You know, I, I think they would be the clear lead backs with with McKinnon and, and Bernard just as the change of pace guys and the maybe a little bit of passing down work. But, you know, both of those guys have tremendous fantasy ceilings. It makes them appealing. But you have to worry about or worry about the slow start. You know, if they're only getting, you know, seven, nine touches the first month or so of the season, that's not going to bring you much fantasy value. So I, I am worried about the veterans right now. And that is the case with Mixon, but our Catherine Terrell, she covers the Bengals. She, she's pretty confident Mixon is going to win that job. And if that's the case, who knows if he'll even makes the team, you know, is he just going to be the third stringer? I, I don't know. I, maybe Gio Bernard's health uh, is a factor there, but uh, yeah, I, I think Mixon is one of I think he'll get that job pretty quickly. You just worry about a, potentially a slow start. Yeah, and we've we have heard those rumors, as you mentioned, that Hill might not make the team. Even even trade rumors with your Eagles. I don't know how how valid or reliable those are, but those those have been out there over the past few weeks. So yeah, we'll have to see if Hill even makes the makes the roster, and if not, obviously that would bump up the projections for Joe Mixon. The wide receiver projections look like probably like most would expect with Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, AJ Green, and and so many of those other guys that that we're used to seeing at the top. But you've also got Golden Tate projected in that wide receiver one range. Tell us about that. Yeah, just uh, the the PPR boost, right? Uh, you know, you, you may catch ninety ninety five footballs, and and I don't see many changes in that offense. It would suggest they're going to be going in another direction. I mean. Kenny Galladay, maybe he's a superstar, who knows, but it's unlikely he's going to come in there and outproduce uh, or, or outplay a guy like Bolden. So Tate should still be the one. They made they, they tried to make Marvin Jones the one early last year. It didn't work out very well. He obviously faded in the, the second two-thirds of the season, uh, and Tate really just became the guy each and every week. So maybe, you're, maybe he doesn't have quite the high ceiling. We know he doesn't, but he has a high floor. Uh, can push for five, six touchdowns, I think. And and he's a, he's a very good football player, a very underrated football player. Adds a little value with the carries and the occasional return. So uh, I think he's just a safe uh, wide receiver two target in in PPR. I, I like him. And the, the projections obviously like him a little bit more than than I think most of us want to rank him. Yeah, certainly underrated in, in dynasty leagues as well. Maybe a, a good player to go out and target. And you look at the Lions, I mean, I think their defense is still going to be dreadful. I mean, they're oh, going to yeah. have to outscore oh, yeah. teams. There's going to be a lot of points in Lions games. 
Yeah, they were one of them teams that variants just kind of went their way in a big in a big way last year. They had no business being in the playoffs. They they had one of the worst defenses right. in the NFL. They did a poor job addressing their their holes, I think, this offseason. I, I I think they're gonna fall off in a big way, maybe even pick in the top ten. Actually, I think I have them picking in the top ten next year. So you're right. Uh they try to run a conservative offense. Uh, Matthew Stafford has transitioned from a guy who used to throw deep a lot to throwing everything in the short area. And that was even the case, Calvin Johnson's last year. Uh, and that benefits Tate's game for sure. But uh, they are, you know, it's a slow moving offense. They're trying to protect that horrible defense. It worked last year. I don't think it's going to pan out this year. And if it doesn't, and they're behind more often, it's going to, it's going to mean more passing like you just alluded to. Mike, let's look at the Raiders wide receivers. Of course, Crabtree and Cooper there. Uh, some people view Crabtree as as some type of roadblock toward for Cooper's production, and other people just think Cooper is maybe a little bit overrated. You have their projections um, really close as far as their targets and their receptions. Uh, Cooper gets the edge in yards, Crabtree in touchdowns, which is what we've seen the past couple of years, and you have Cooper just just edging him out as far as fantasy production. Uh, so do you see, I guess it's fair to say, you see a, a slight shift in their roles in that offense? Uh, I think I think common sense is going to prevail at some point, and Cooper's going to see some work near the goal line, just even if it's by accident. You know, if the guy sees 140 targets, you know, at some point they're going to start coming near the goal line. It's kind of been bizarre how little he's been used down there. Uh, but I think that will progressively uh, fix itself throughout his career. He's also ex- extremely young. It's incredible how young he is and still has, uh, already has 2,000-yard seasons under his belt. So he, he's not probably as good as he's going to be. I mean, let's, what's the guy's ceiling? I mean, could we be talking about him as a mid-first-round pick next year, this time next year? Absolutely. You know, he could take that step forward and just explode into a 95-catch a player. So I still like him a lot. Uh, I want to see more work near the goal line, but I definitely think he can push for five, six touchdowns this year. I mentioned earlier that with the Jeremy Macklin uh, release that you had updated your projections, that puts Tyreek Hill in that wide receiver two range. Uh, You have him projected for uh, 76 catches, 791 yards, and over 200 fantasy points, including some some rushing work as well. Yeah, what's interesting about Hill is – I, I guess maybe I, I was high on him before Matham was released and then he was released and I, I updated everything and I didn't move the needle too much. I mean, a, a little bit up, a, li- a few more targets, but I don't think he's the main benefactor here. I don't think his role is going to change just because a human being can only do so much during an NFL football game. I mean, he's I already had him projected for about 30 carries and 70 catches and he's going to return the ball as well. Maybe they reduced that a little bit, but He's so good in that area. I don't think he'll he'll be completely removed. So uh, I think I already had him near his uh, his usability ceiling, if you will. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he really does take a step forward and and sees a, a 28, 30 percent target share. I don't think so. I have him closer to 23, and I think that's where he'll be considering again his work in the backfield as well. So uh, now suddenly I'm I'm looking at ADP movement, and I'm like, wow. And now now suddenly I'm I'm low on the guy. You know, people are taking him as a uh, maybe a mid-pack wide receiver too. And, and I'm just, I'm not interested at that point. I, I still see the same concerns other people do. Certainly the touchdowns, uh, the touchdown ceiling is very low for a player his size. Uh, but again, like you said, I have him over 200 points. He's still in that, in that wide receiver two discussion. Did you bump up Conley? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did. I, you know, it, okay, it, good. man, what yeah. a, what a fast football team. It's really incredible. That guy can run what a sub four, four, uh, 40 as well. And he has size as well. So he's intriguing, but we haven't seen it yet. You know, can he, can he take that step forward in year three? We'll find out. But the guy who really saw a, the biggest target boost when Macklin was out last year was, was Albert Wilson. And if he's a slot guy, he could be a deep sleeper. I think in PPR, not a guy you're too excited to start, but uh, you know, if he wins that three job, you know, there, there could be some appeal. Obviously they have the, the fourth rounders from the last two years as well. They're the guys who really keep an eye on uh, Chesson from this year. And, and of course, Dar- Demarcus Robinson from last year. Uh, what about the Ravens with the running backs? You've got uh, Woodhead Dixon and then West as far that's in order of, of your projections when it comes to their fantasy scoring and, and wide receiver. It looks like they're, they're at least interested in making a move with Macklin and, and potentially Decker being available Talk a little bit about the Ravens running back. Would Dixon have been – would he have topped that list if it weren't for the suspension? Ooh, that, that's a close call. I think Woodhead may have just snuck ahead of him in terms of fantasy production. I have Woodhead at 90, 90 carries, 60 catches uh, roughly. I, you know, I think that's about right. We know uh, – we don't know exactly how they're going to use him. It's a new offense. It's easy to say, hey, he caught X amount of footballs uh, two years ago and then and then four years ago, but – he also is moving from the San Diego offense to Baltimore. So we don't know exactly how he's going to be used, but I'm optimistic he should be top five at the position in reception. So I still think he'd probably be the guy. Uh, And Terrence West, you know, I think it's not going to take Dixon long to move past him. We saw him take uh, take over that role a a bit, certainly chip away at it late last season. And he was the better football player, maybe the most impressive uh, one, one, certainly one of the most impressive rookie running backs, obviously can't say the most with Zeke and, and Jordan Howard, but uh, I, I certainly have optimism by the second half. We'll be talking about Dixon as a, a running back to at least a back end. And, and you're right. We can't, we can't get two into receivers. Yeah. Let's, let's see what they do. If they, if they add one of these guys, they're going to go somewhere, but uh, for now, you know, some hope for Perriman to explode this year. I know Matt is hopeful of that as well. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, spot, I'm a uh, spot, right. Those Perriman, exactly. Perriman owners are holding their breath right now, but uh, I think, I think you'll be back to uh, back to, the Ravens projection soon, Mike. I agree. And I will post them when I do. (laughs) Uh, With the Chargers, uh, we can't assume Antonio Gates is going to play forever and play at a high level. You have Hunter Henry projected for bigger numbers, more production this season. So do you think this is kind of the beginning of the end for Gates? Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I still think he's going to play a role. I have the targets for that team pretty similar to the tight end position, similar to last year. I think Gates will be down. Uh, Henry will be up. Uh, again, same same Chargers assistant talked to last year, said, hey, you know, we tried. we And you usually don't. We, we talk about narratives all the time, uh, whether they're true or not. This coach hit straight out. They tried to get Gates the record last year. They, they were not messing around. They were forcing him the football. And he said, had they not been doing that, and again, maybe a little coach speak here, but he said Henry may have scored 10 touchdowns. He's running wide open into the end zone because they're double teaming Gates and they're still throwing the ball to Gates. And they're, he said they're done with that. You know, he tied the record. Now he'll get at least one this year. They're not they're not worried about that and, and really expects Henry to uh, take the next step this year. So I do think he is, is certainly the more appealing guy. But the issue really with this offense is the same issue I have with Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams, who I will not have shares of this year. They have a lot of weapons to get the football to. And I think they're going to be able to be a little bit more balanced as well, because I expect this to be one of the better teams in the NFL. I I honestly do. I think they are a terrific 
football team on both sides of the football, maybe O-line being the, the obvious exception, but they made some strides there as well. And so they'll be they'll be leading in the second half. You won't see quite as much garbage time. So I do worry about the ceiling for some of these guys. Henry more of a strong tight end two than a one for me. But uh, if Gates gets hurt or something, you know, it, all bets are off. He's he's probably a top five tight end. And Mike, it's funny you say that because I'm I've said many times I'm leaning towards taking the Chargers to win the toughest division in the league. I really do think they're for real. And yeah. I want Philip Rivers for redraft in a big way. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. The tough uh, I, I have them actually my unit grades. The Chargers come in as the third best team, which may seem a little a little bold. But, you know, when you factor in a tough schedule for them this year in that division, they end up with the 11th best record. That's still enough to win the division. I do think the Chiefs will, will take a bit of a uh-huh. step back and, and Oakland's right in the mix as well. But I'm with you. I have the Chargers since since uh, pretty much day one of the offseason. I, I have them uh, winning that division. Mike, you mentioned Henry having him more in that uh, tight end two range. In Dynasty, based on our ADP over at DLF, he's being drafted as the tight end five overall, and obviously some of that is is based on his production as a rookie and his his age. Is that too high for you? In, no, for not Dynasty? at all. I, okay. I like him a lot. I, you know, you have Gronk, Reed, Kelsey, Eifert, uh, and then I think he's right there. I have him five as well. Uh, with some of the other high ceiling youngsters like Howard and, and Joku. So uh, I have no issue with that, I, especially considering that some guys are starting to get older, like Olsen and Graham and, and Walker. So, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I have them five as well. Mike, we try to avoid talking about the Giants running back situation on here, <laughs> but l- let's let's dive in just a little bit. Uh, in order of fantasy production, you have Paul Perkins, Shane Vereen, and then Wayne Gallman. Are, are any of these guys, can we really count on any of these guys to be fantasy? Uh, I don't even want to say fantasy starters. Should we even care about any of these players, really? Yeah, I think Perkins, for sure. I think his ADP is fair. Uh, I worry a little bit about his effectiveness last year, but we've seen plenty of guys with uh, poor small sample efficiency as rookies uh, end up end up doing well. Le'Veon Bell being a, a terrific example of that. And by the way, not Langford terrible. He wasn't Jeremy Langford terrible. He had so many red flags. It wasn't even funny this time last year. But uh, Perkins, you know, you worry about that a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked about Kenneth Dixon before. He was off the charts terrific last year in those categories. But uh, I think there is enough of an opportunity for Perkins here to push for 250 plus touches in this offense. So uh, I like him. And Vereen, I, you know, he could push for, he, he could easily be top 10, top five at running back in receptions if he stays healthy for 15 or 16 games. I have him at 47 in 15 games. I don't think that's a, a bold take by any means. And uh, that would be enough for him to certainly makes him a, a sneaky guy in PPR league. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, both of those guys are worth monitoring. Yeah. Yeah, Vereen's intriguing to me. Totally forgotten about him. Yeah, yep. I agree on Vereen as well. And I, I think it was it was mentioned uh, by our guest a couple weeks ago that Vereen is a guy to keep an eye on. And and really, he's a player that's just been forgotten about, mostly due to his injuries, but also the Giants' just bad overall running game. So, yeah, he's a player that could go a little Theo Riddick on us and, uh, and should, be, should be on the dynasty roster for sure. In Denver, of course, they've, they've added Jamal Charles there, and then there's even been some, some buzz that he might not make the final roster. You have him, of course, in your projections, obviously. I don't think you, you don't factor in potential cuts into your projections at this point. You've got him there and, and significantly outscoring Devontae Booker. Yeah, I do. I, I was 
I didn't love Booker in the draft process last year, so uh, I wasn't too excited. I know my my colleague Jeff Ratcliffe, uh, you know, he's he's a smart guy and write about a lot, but I can give him a little shot here because he he loved Booker last year, man. That was that was his dude. Him and him and Procise. The Procise looks the part, but man, Booker was uh, just just plain awful. I you know I never understood the calls. Uh, for Booker over Anderson throughout the season. You know, Anderson is very effective back. I like him a lot. Uh, and then Anderson goes down and Booker was just plain awful. I mean, he he really, really struggled last year. So I, uh, I, I'm i not a fan. I, I don't know that he's going to be able to beat out talented players like Anderson and Charles, but I, I, I worry about all these guys. I think they're all going to get at least a few touches. And will one of Anderson or Charles emerge? Uh, or is it just going to be both guys? I, 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 Charles, so far, all reports are that he's healthy and, and looks good. So, I don't know. It's it's a it's a scary situation. It's one of the toughest to predict, I think, uh, out there uh, right now. So, if if you can avoid it, that's probably your your best uh, your best route to go right now. I think Charles is going to be OJ Simpson with the 49ers or Franco Harris with Seattle. Like we're just going to have a bad final taste in our mouth of his career in Denver. I just don't Man, see it. I hope not. I hope not. But Mike, <laughs> hope not. Mike, let's finish up with the Tampa Bay Bucks, specifically their running game. Uh, you've got Doug Martin as their top fantasy scorer. Uh, of course, he has the uh, suspension to start the season. And, and there have also been rumors that, that they could go ahead and part ways with him as well. Uh, Charles Sims you have next. Jacquez Rogers. You didn't have the rookie McNichols in your projections. I know he's also dealing with an injury, so that's that's tough to to know if he'll even be on the field, let alone uh, in in the rotation. So tell us what you see with Tampa. Yeah, speaking of uh, uh, team projections for the year, they're the team that we every year we have predictions that make us look dumb, and and the Bucks are a team that I just don't like. I, you know, there's everybody, they're everybody's breakout team this year. I do not like them. I, I just think they are a very pedestrian roster across the board. Uh, I'm just not feeling the excitement, but we'll, we'll see a few months from now. I might uh, regret pointing that out. Nonetheless, uh, the running back position. Yeah. It sounds like they really love what they're seeing from Doug Martin enough that they didn't really address that position aside of McNichols. I think when he comes back, he's going to get that first shot at 15 plus touches, but it's easy to forget. He really struggled last year too. And that's why I thought they had the out on his contract. I thought they would take that, move on, maybe renegotiate it, something like that. Uh, but everything, all signs suggest he's going to get another long look. And and McNichols, yeah, I have him projected for just a few touches early on in the season. I think if Martin, Sims, and Rogers are there, it's going to be hard for him to make uh, much movement as a rookie. But but again, there's there's talks Sims may not make it either. So uh, we'll we'll have to see what happens there. That's one of them backfields we're just going to have to keep an eye on throughout camp and and obviously the preseason. Do you think they could possibly be in the market for a Carlos Hyde or an Ingram or a Jeremy Hill or somebody like that? I, I, th- I still think another shoe's going to drop with a running back trade before the start of the season. Uh, I, I don't, uh, just because of how much they've talked up Martin. Uh, you know, maybe if, if in final cuts, Hill is waived, something like that, maybe they uh, would feel the need to scoop him up if they're unhappy with Rodgers or McNichols or if they cut Sims. But, uh, I, you know, I – I don't know. I don't, I don't think they would add one of them high-end guys, and I certainly don't think they would trade for a back. And what about the tight ends there with Tampa? You still have uh, Cameron Bright projected as their top scorer, even with the addition of O.J. Howard. It, it seems like fantasy owners, dynasty owners, are giving up a little too quickly on Bright. 
Yeah, um, and and I mean, my projection doesn't love him by any means. It, it makes both of these guys back end tight end twos. I, I'm not really in, interested in drafting either one of them, uh, uh, to be honest. I think they're both going to play. Wouldn't surprise me if Howard's blocking early and Bray comes in on passing downs. Teams do not use two tight end sets when they're passing the football. So if you think they're going to go Bray Howard all the time when they're throwing and and they're not going to have Humphreys or, God, or Godwin on the field at all, uh, you're probably you're mistaken, most likely. I mean, the, the Eagles led in this category last year. At, I think it was 38%. Teams just don't do that very often. So uh, it's hard to get excited for these guys. Which one's going to score more fantasy points? Kind of a toss-up. But uh, I just – I. <sighs> Oof, man, it's it's just hard to get excited about either one as a potential tight end one, uh, at least this season. So Howard, man, I, I saw Howard go before in a in a one of the mag drafts I did the other day in, in redraft, not not dynasty. He went before Kyle Rudolph and Delaney Walker. I mean, I'm thinking wow. you've you wow. got to be kidding me. I, and, and just the optimism there is a little much for me. It's do you like any of the rookie tight ends for this year? Not as not as anything more than we'll say mid to back end tight end twos. I, you know Ingram could be as mm-hmm. if Ingram scores a few touchdowns, uh, he could be interesting just because you know he's going to have to be on the field quite a bit. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, great stuff as always, and I would just encourage all of our listeners to keep plugged into your Twitter feed where uh, you'll be updating projections as teams make cuts and trades and and these injuries happen. And just tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter. Of course, you'll see my work at uh, in the fantasy and the NFL sections over at, at ESPN.com. I got the show on SiriusXM, um, which is just monthly right now. But I guess about a month or so, you know, we're really going to be grinding down all of us. So uh, we'll be back to the daily show. So uh, we'll get the times and all that later. But uh, guys, uh, appreciate you having me on. Always good to talk football, especially in the middle of June when there's just uh, what the – the 0.1% of us who are highly invested, but uh, it's always, it's always fun. All right. Thanks again to Mike Clay for joining us and we'll be back next time with more dynasty blueprint.